folks, this is 13 and 3, otherwise known as Mogi and JC, welcoming you to another great episode of the Breakout Sessions podcast. This episode is sponsored by LSM Chiropractic and Robecki's Rinkside Bar and Grill. We would like to welcome our guest to the podcast today, former Madison LaFollette Lancer and Providence College Friar, Sue Mussy Kempf. Moog. Susie, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us. And uh, no pressure when JC says the next great episode of the Breakout Sessions podcast. Thanks, Moog. I, I appreciate this. I'm really looking forward to it. Great. You know, you have got quite a history, Susie, and we're going to get into it in a little bit. But let's start out with your family dynamics. You were raised with a lot of brothers. And from my understanding is the majority of them, if not all of them, played hockey. How was it that you, you know, what were the odds that you weren't going to play hockey? Well, all three of my brothers started playing before I did. Even my younger brother, Joe. Joe started skating at three years old, I believe, um, and we're two years apart. So he started skating a couple of years before I, I even started playing hockey. Um, but I don't think that was in the cards that my parents thought I would the direction I would go. Okay, uh, my understanding is, Sue, that you were a figure skater, then you went to speed skating and eventually settled on hockey. What did hockey do for you that the other two disciplines didn't? Well, figure skating, I lasted about two weeks. It was two <laughs> sessions. Um, well, the three boys were involved in hockey. Mom and dad probably thought it was good to get my sister Diane and I involved in speed skating, or uh, figure skating. Um, and like I said, that lasted two weeks. I went to two sessions, and I didn't want to go back. So then they tried to figure out something else for me to do. And speed skating at that time was pretty popular here in, in the Madison so area Eric, because Eric, you, you Eric had Hyden, the Haydens, Hyden, you yeah. had the doctors. So it was really popular. And so they pushed me towards the direction of speed skating. At that time, there weren't really many indoor rinks for speed skating. So most of the speed skating was done outside on the natural ice. So I did that for probably one season. Um, the following season, it was a pretty warm winter. So the outdoor rinks really didn't hold very long. Um, in order for me to continue speed skating, my parents would have had to have taken me to Milwaukee to the, um, to the state fire park where they had the big oval. And with the three other boys in hockey, Sister and speed, uh, figure skating, that wasn't going to happen. But <laughs> you needed another parent there. Exactly. So every time we would go to the rink for the boys, um, I would pester my dad to let me play hockey. Because realistically, I just wanted to be out playing the games and sports that my brothers were playing. So that's kind of how I think my dad finally got tired of listening to me <laughs> pester him about playing hockey. And some of the other dads standing around him said, probably, God damn it, Jack, get her to shut up and let her play hockey. <laughs> Jack's not one who gets typically ground down like that. He usually makes up his mind, and that's the way it's going to be. Well, it, it stays that way. Well, I, I think I wore him down. Either yeah. that or the parents wore him down. So they, I just remember coming home from school one day, and 
them saying, let's go. You're going to hockey practice. Wow. Best and day off of your we life, went. Huh? And I, I really don't think they thought I would last in it as long as I did. So how long did the speed skating last? The speed skating lasted about a year and a half. Okay. So a little better than figure skating. A little now. better than figure skating. Okay. But even uh, when the speed skates, I would be outside in the backyard rinks playing hockey in my speed skates. <laughs> I can only imagine what that looked like. (laughs) You know, and for our listeners, Sue, you know, when we're talking your time frame that you started to play hockey and eventually wore your dad down, Mm -hmm. there wasn't girl hockey programs at that time, was there? No, not at all. There, There were very few girls that even played hockey. I don't recall ever playing against another girl growing up. But I know of other girls that did play for a year or two. Um, but, I mean, I, I started playing hockey when I was eight. So I figure skated and speed skated for two years. Wow. So your folks, Jack and Lois, they weren't big into hockey when they were young. So how did your family fall in love with the game? When we moved here from Eau Claire um, in 69, we had some neighbors um, the Fredericks, that their boys were involved in hockey and that Jack got the boys involved in hockey that way. And when you say moved here, down to the Madison Down, down into the Madison area. Okay. Yep. And so your brothers start, you finally get the opportunity where your dad gives you the nod. Did you ever play on a team with one of your brothers? I played with my younger brother, Joe, in high school. Okay. And prior to high school, when you're on the rink playing with your brothers, did you ever give them a little grief or did they knock you around a little bit? Was there ever a little push and shove, you know? I think I think if they could put us in a snowbank, they would. I don't remember being pulled out of a snowbank because of them, but I'm I'm sure it there were some oh uh, sorry, accident. Oh, right. So uh, as, we're, as we're talking here, Sue is in front of JC and I, and off to her left are uh, two hooligans that came off the streets. I don't know how security let them in, but uh, two of her older brothers, Rick and Steve, are here with us. And uh, every once in a while, she looks over her shoulder to make sure she's getting the record straight, and they're nodding so far. We'll, we'll keep well, you posted on how, how I that I figure how they that came goes. because they wanted to make sure I was going to tell the truth. Absolutely. <laughs> and those two guys, of course, you have to, right? <laughs> so what position did you start out playing and what position did you end up playing? I started out as a forward um, when I was a, a mite. I played one year of mites. I started out as a forward, and back then I think we only had probably – 10 or 11 skaters on the team. Sure. Um, and so you, you learn to play every position. You learn to play forward. You learn to play defense. Um, and also back then, like they do nowadays, is if you wanted to play goal, you play goal the whole year. They didn't, at those young ages, they didn't kind of rotate it through players to see who might like it. Um, so I skated out as a forward for two years. And my second year of squirts, as I'm sitting there watching the people come in and off the ice and have to take turns going in, you know, do shifts. And I'm like, well, the goalie never has to come off. Oh, here we go. 
You wanted to play the whole game, didn't I you? I wanted to play the whole game. <laughs> so, the, so my second year of squirts, I, I asked to play goal, and that's kind of where I, I, I stayed. Wow, that is that is. And awesome. I, I also don't think my parents thought I'd, I'd stick with goalie either, much less hockey. Well, it's unconventional that you're a hockey player, but then you're a goalie on top of it. So then I'm, spo- I'm sure with Jack, uh, did you set up a net at the house and your brothers probably shot tennis balls at you till the cows came home, huh? There, there wasn't necessarily a net. Um, the tarp, we had a great big tarp that Jack finagled to hang on the garage door. Because I think he got tired of us shooting at the garage door and putting dents in the siding of the house with the pucks. <laughs> That's what you get when you have hockey so, players in the family. <laughs> so uh, in order for me to play, I was probably said, well, if you want to play, you got to go in the net. Because at that time, Joe being two years younger than I am, at you know four or five years old, he was going to be too little to be yep. in the net. But yep. I'm six, seven, you know, eight years old. They're like, if you want to play, you go in the net. Okay, I'll well, go do that. They were already established, right? I believe Steve was Steve was a forward, and Joe and uh, Rick was a defenseman. I believe right? so. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Any mercy when they were firing pucks at you? No, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, the big question: Were you able to keep all your teeth? I yes, I have all my teeth. Never had a problem with that. Wow, excellent. I got I got very good with my hands. So you're saying they don't have very good shots? Is really that too. what you're saying? Okay, that too. <laughs> let's get, let's get, right. We're speaking the truth here, right? <laughs> oh, you know, you're making your way up through, uh, you know, squirts, peewees. You're now a goalie. Were you ever, you know, at that time in uh, the dynamics of hockey? Were there travel teams at that time? And, and if there were, were you trying out for any of those teams? The only travel team at that time, um, it wasn't until I was a Bantam. Um, they had started the Madison Capitals when I was a first-year Bantam. Um, Marlo Suter, Paul Ryan had started uh, the, the Madison Capitals. And at that time, like I said, it was only one team, and it was at the Bantam level. Um, so my, I did not try out for it my first year of Bantams. Then my second year of Bantams, I tried out for it. And uh, I actually was one of the two goalies selected. Um, it was myself and Steve Lane out of uh, Sun Prairie were the two goalies that were selected. Then um, I ran into Marlo Suter this past year. The first, I mean, I haven't seen him in a number of years. But uh, he had mentioned that, you know, when he came home after um, the tryouts, his wife Dodie had asked him, you know, how were the goalies? And he told her that, they were going to select me, and she was kind of surprised. And he goes, she was the best one there. So that was kind of reassuring to get that information from him. Yeah, well, that's the way it always should be. It's not always the way it is probably, but it's the way it should be. Sure. So did you ever get any backlash from any of the other teams or even any of your other teammates about being a, a gal playing on the boys' team? Not not really from any of my other teammates. At least I don't recall it growing up. Um, I don't recall anything, hearing anything from parents. If there were, uh, my parents and my brothers have kind of kept it from me. Because um, growing up, I was probably one of the more sensitive kids in our family. Oh, mom and dad never really had to scold me. 
never had to scold me. All they had to do was look at me like they were mad and I would be in tears. Oh my gosh. I mean, so I was the most sensitive one out of the five kids at that time. So they were probably smart in that to keep it from me if there was any sort of a backlash at that time. Okay. All right. Um, but I, the only the only thing that I know of was when we were playing with the Capitals. We went down to St. Louis for a tournament. And there were two teams from Canada there. And when they saw the rosters of the U.S. teams, they had contacted the tournament and they said, we can't play against that Madison team because there's a girl on the team and girls in Canada don't play hockey. They play ringette. And so they must have contacted Marlo Suter and Paul Ryan. And Paul Ryan's response was, well, she's part of our team. She's coming with us. If they don't want to play against her, they can forfeit. So we went down, played both Canadian teams. I happened to be in the goal, and we had shutouts <laughs> and won the tournament. Wow. That is but a little respect. The dagger. Yeah. A little well, respect all the of dagger. a sudden. But if it wasn't for like Paul Ryan and Marlo Suter kind of setting that precedence, yeah, they um, they had your back. Right, exactly. Yep, we're gonna play the best player. And yep. if it's a if it's a woman, it's a woman, it's a woman. Yep. Wow, that's awesome that you had those people behind you. Probably helped you a lot. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, prior to going into high school, still talking about your Pee Wee Bantam years. Um, you know, the female on the team. How did things work out when it was time to get into the locker room? Well, back then, um, you pretty much came to the to the rink dressed. The only thing you did at the rink was you put on your skates and, you know, your helmet and gloves and out on the ice you went. And also back then, they don't, they didn't have the locker room facilities that they have today. Um, if you've ever been at Hartmeyer Ice Arena and that great big lobby area in front of the concession stands, that was all benches. And that's where all the kids got dressed for hockey, for practices. So it wasn't until I was actually in a locker room for games until I was with the, the Capitals or high school. And still, they would, we, we would go to the rink and only really much put on our skates. And in high school, if uh, we were traveling, um, our coach, Ted Obler, said, Sue's coming in 15 minutes before we go on the ice. You better be ready. Otherwise, she's coming in. Doesn't matter. So we kind of worked around it. And by that time, you, these guys had known you. You'd played with them right. for years. I mean, right. it's like, it's Sue. It's right. not. Exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't. Well, and here's the other thing. If they weren't dressed, I had, I had things to do myself to get ready. And I really didn't pay any attention to what was going on around me. Yeah. There you go. Staying focused. So as you made your way up the playing ranks, it obviously became clear that you could hold your own to say the least with the boys. I mean, it wasn't just holding your own. You You stood out. What drove you to continue to improve and, and just where did that competitive spirit come from? Um, I've always loved sports. Always. I mean, it didn't matter if we were, you know, playing wiffle ball in the driveway or something organized. Um, it was just a matter of wanting to play sports and, and trying to keep up with, with the boys. Um, I mean, so, and it was just, just the love of wanting to play is what it was. 
And at that time, there weren't a lot of organized girls' sports yet, were there? No. Especially hockey. No, definitely not hockey. Right. Um, So you're a pioneer. Yeah, you paved the way for a lot of of girls. They, They need to thank gals like you who... You know, once they look over their shoulder, who came before I did? You were one of the very first ones. Well, well, really, the only one of the few girls' sports that was organized was basketball. Um, there was a little bit of softball in the summers, but I mean, it's still. I grew up playing little league baseball too, on the on the boys' teams. So. Natural born athlete oh, yeah. in a male dominated area. She has more talent in her little finger than I have in my whole body, I'm sure. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take a break here to reach out to one of our sponsors, Robecky's Ringside Bar and Grill, which is located across the street from Hobbs Ice Center in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, James Robecky and his staff will provide you with quality service and food with top end beverages. It's a great place to stop, and they will treat you like family. And on that note, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, we will have an Instagram and Twitter uh, release about this podcast on this same day. If you see those releases and like that post, you will be eligible for a drawing for a $10 gift puck for Robecky's. So uh, we hope that you uh, like our page. And uh, when you stop into Robecky's, tell them T-Boss sent you. Yeah, breakout Breakout sessions sent you. All right, Susie, so we're talking about you playing with the boys, and for the record, you were the first female to play boys hockey in the state of Wisconsin for a high school team. Congratulations. Obviously, you're a true pioneer for women in hockey. What was it like for you to reach that level? Did you did you think about it at that time, or you just wanted to play hockey and you wanted to be the goalie? No, I wasn't thinking about it at that time. I just wanted to continue to play. And if I, in order to do that, I had to play it with the boys. So what do so. you think now? Um, now that you think back on it, it, it seems like it's a pretty, pretty big feat. You know, I'm, I'm proud that I was able to do that. Um, but it's, it's just something that I had to do in order to play. So I really didn't think too much about it. Okay. You know, we're going to talk about your high school career and also, uh, beyond that here shortly, but looking back, you know, with any of your teammates, you know, you progressed beyond high school. Any of your teammates that you played with uh, play beyond high school years? I think some of them may have played here at the state schools in Wisconsin. Um, But with me being out in Rhode Island, I kind of lost touch with where they ended up playing. Um, But I do believe some of them did end up playing at some of the state schools. And going back to high school now, first, as Mogi said, girl to play high school hockey on a boys team in the state of Wisconsin. Who did you play for? And were there tryouts? How did it happen? I played for Madison La Follette um, from 79 to 83. So it tells you how old I am. It goes back a ways. <laughs> Younger than Mogi and I. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when, when I – I think – when I became a freshman, I think the the coach, Ted Obler, just kind of knew I was going to end up playing hockey because the two older brothers, Steve and Rick, had already been through there. Um, so Ted, Ted Obler was uh, very familiar with our family, um, and it probably helped that I had was already playing for the Madison Capitals, uh, which was kind of a, an elite all-star team at that time. 
Um, so it kind of showed that I could compete at that level. And the other thing that I had going my way was I don't think Coach Obler had any other choice but me. <laughs> uh, because uh, Mark Mark Barron had just graduated the year before. Oh, quite and, a goalie in his, yep, in his own right. Exactly. Um, we've known Mark and his family ever since we were kids. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he really had any other choice. His only other choice was uh, another goalie that had literally just started playing goalie. Oh boy! As a high schooler, yeah, that's not good. So I, I, I kind of got lucky in that regard, right? <laughs> so at what point, when you're playing, did you start to realize that hey, maybe, maybe I could do, maybe I could do this after high school? Especially, there were no women's college teams around here. No, not at all. Right, but there not were out all. east. So when did the folks out east start to get, um, your, get your attention? We. It was somewhere right around my sophomore or junior year. I'm not sure if my dad came across this article in a magazine or if someone else did. But I remember us having this magazine that had an article about um, varsity uh, college programs. And they were throughout the New England area, the Northeast. And it listed all the various schools that had women's programs. Most of them were, were varsity, some were club. Um, so my junior year, I wrote a letter of interest to all the schools that were on this list. Um, and I got all kinds of information back in the mail about the schools, about the programs, and so forth and so on. Um, and then after my junior year, wrote another letter to the schools and said that we were hoping to make a trip out to the Northeast to look at schools and hopefully talk to some coaches about the program. Out of the numerous ones we sent, there were only a handful that responded. Um, Dartmouth, New Hampshire, um, Brown, Boston College, which was a club program at that time. Um, and I don't remember whatever, but um, so the, the schools that responded the summer after my junior year, um, my dad, Jack, younger brother, Joe, jumped in the station wagon and out, nor- out to the Northeast we went and we did a tour and we set up times to, to tour the schools and, and talk to the programs. Um, and Providence College was not one of the schools at that time. Hmm. So we went up to uh, Dartmouth, toured the school talked to the coach, and then we went down to New Hampshire. And New Hampshire was the school that I wanted to go to. The University of New Hampshire was, that was the program I really wanted to go to, looking at everything. And But when we sat down and talked to the coach, um, Russ McCurdy, he uh, said that he would not have an opportunity to come out and watch me play because the recruiting back then, if you weren't in New England, you probably weren't going to be seen because – they didn't have the budgets that they have now. Um, so he he had talked to us and he said, well, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to come out and see you play. So I'm not going to know your skill level. Um, and he said he had already committed to an incoming freshman my year. And then he said, well, what other schools are you looking at? And we told him, he goes, well, you're not looking at Providence College. We're like, no. 
we didn't get a reply back from him to try and set up uh, a, a meeting. He goes, well, let me get in touch with him because I know they're going to be looking for a goalie. So he uh, contacted the coach. We exchanged numbers. We were going from New Hampshire down to Boston College to look at that school and then on to Providence to to Brown University. And so in our travels down to Providence, we uh, get in contact with the coach, John Marchetti. And after our tour of Brown, he meets us in the parking lot of the Brown ice rink. Oh. Yep. <laughs> meets us in the parking lot of the Brown ice rink. So as the Brown coach is saying goodbye to us, saying it's nice to meet you, he hands me off to the Providence College coach, John Marchetti. Oh, I mean, awesome. so, so this, is, this is how tight-knit those women's programs were back then. If they didn't need a player, they would say, go look here because they need people because they wanted to keep it competitive. Sure. And they didn't want people to lose interest. So then drive across town to Providence College. So that's, that's how I really became interested in Providence College by accident, by being referred there from the New Hampshire coach, which is kind of strange. So did the New Hampshire coach regret? recommending that you go to Providence? I think he did that first year um, <laughs> because Providence, I mean, the, there were three top women's programs back then, New Hampshire, Northeastern University, and Providence College. They were the only three schools at that time that offered scholarships because most of the other programs were Ivy League schools. Ivy League schools don't technically offer scholarships. They offer financial aid. Okay. So... um so they kind of were the top three, and they wanted to stay competitive. So it was, it was kind of strange that um, New Hampshire had been at the top of the women's program for a number of years. Providence might beat them once a year, but they could never get over that hump to, you know, really be dominant against New Hampshire. We played them five times my freshman year, and we beat them all five times and for the ECAC tournament. Oh. For the championship. Yeah, that Thanks, a Coach. Cherry on <laughs> exactly. top right Thanks, there. Coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all shutouts, no doubt. How do you know? Oh, <laughs> no, not all shutouts. Not all shutouts. Well, just the fact that he thought enough of you to, to share that with that the Providence coach, that, that says a lot about him. And oh. I'm sure he kicked himself in the butt a few times after that, but hey. Well, exactly. Got, I think he nice was spot. he was thinking that um, my skill skill level was probably at that same level of the girls that were playing girls hockey in in the New England area. Um, little did he know that I had never played girls hockey before. Yeah. So. Yeah, the uh, scouting abilities and the technology of communication are nowhere near than what they are now. So they're limited in the knowledge that they had of you. So Correct. you were probably a pleasant surprise to the Providence coach. Well, the Providence coach at that time had a student assistant. I don't know if he was a, I think he was a graduate student and he was actually from Wisconsin. So over the Christmas holiday, um, he was coming home to Wisconsin and I, he, I think he ended up seeing one of our games um, over the Christmas holiday, because at that time, Madison High Schools always had like a holiday tournament. 
So we would play two, three games in a span of three days. And I think that's probably where he saw me play and went back and said, she can play. We want her. We want this gal. (laughs) So you earned a scholarship to play hockey. Did you also get a scholarship to play softball? No, I did not. But you did play. I did play. And you played well. I I play, I played. Yes, yeah. You're you're <laughs> not uh, telling us the whole story here. Did your parents and your family get a, any chance to get out there to see you at all? They got out there at least once a year. Um, over the holiday break, a lot of times we took a trip up to Montreal and played in a tournament in Montreal against some of the Canadian women's um, university teams. And I know they made a trip up to. Um, Montreal a couple of times, and I know Steve has made one of those trips. Um, other than that, they would try and make a trip out at the end of the year for our, our conference tournament. Oh, sure. And I, yep. I think everybody in our family has, had made one of those. Nice. Nice. You know, I'm going to go back to high school a little bit. You're a freshman. You make the team. <laughs> Whether it was a tryout or default, <laughs> you made the team. <laughs> Did you start right away? Yes. Do you remember the first game you ever played in? Without a doubt. (laughs) Tell us about that. It was against uh, Madison Memorial, the defending state tournament champions. Um, The very, I mean, the start of the the game, there's always the introductions. And I had the biggest fear during the introductions. I'm like, oh God, oh God, when they, they're going to announce my name first. And I got to skate across the blue line. Oh God, just don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. Cause how would it look? The girl going across the blue line during introductions and falls, catches an edge and down she goes. I think that's every hockey player's nightmare, to be honest with you. But it's worse when you're the only <laughs> the first girl. One. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, so, but but anyways, at the start of the game, playing Madison Memorial, and I don't even I don't I don't even know how f- far into the game we went. All I know is that Fritz Ebel came down just inside the blue line, wound up very first shot on me, went screaming up over my glove and in the goal. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. Welcome <laughs> to high school. <laughs> Welcome to high school hockey. So, How'd the rest of the game play out? Uh, uh, probably not quite as good. Yeah, they got we got hammered. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, got, we got the first time jitters out of the way. Yep, there you go. We, we took the beating right away. Get it out of the way. But uh, Mogi's got something there. I was just going to throw out uh, our other sponsor that we're going to showcase today, LSM Chiropractic. They're the largest chiropractic clinic group in Wisconsin, helping hockey players at every level get aligned so they can play better. As the team chiropractors for many hockey teams, including the Wisconsin Badgers and the Madison Capitals, we look forward to treating you. With 18 clinics in south-central Wisconsin, we have a clinic to serve you, and we will file your insurance for you. So thank you to LSM Chiropractic. You know, um, I'm assuming based on your story that you did not take that header when your name was called. No, I did to not. the blue line. You, uh, you went through the first game, didn't fare too well as a team. Do you remember your first win? Actually, I do not. I, I, I'm unlike most hockey guys, maybe as good as a goalie. 
I forgot a lot of that stuff. You're supposed to have a bad memory, aren't you? Yes. Just worry about the next I shot. I definitely have a bad memory. <laughs> you know, I, I got to ask this. We've had some goaltenders on this podcast, uh, none of which, well, I, I take that back. Nar- Darcy Way uh, from Michigan Tech was probably our first main guest as a goalie, you being the second one. And the questions always bear to ask on all goaltenders, are you all nuts? I probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I got three brothers that shot pucks at my head and I let them do it. <laughs> okay. That's a fair enough answer. And I think that's a yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah. But I like to think I got a wiser in my old age though, because I no longer playing in the goal. There you go. There you go. Did you have any superstitions? I don't know if there are superstitions or more habits. Um, it's not like I had wore the same shirt until we lost or anything like that. Um, but I think it was just more habits. I mean, I would get dressed from left to right. I would put my left skate on, put my right skate on. And, you know, I, but I, th- I think it was more of a habit than, than a superstition. Any pregame meal that was special to you or? No. Nothing like that. No, I'm probably an abnormal goalie. I don't know. Okay. Sounds like you're, you're pretty normal. So <laughs> that would make you abnormal in that world, wouldn't it? Right. <laughs> okay. So Susie, you go out to Providence and you earned Rookie of the Year Award. You were the College Athlete of the Year of the whole college. You were an ECAC All-Star and you still own four of the top 10 career categories out there at Providence. What do you think about when you think back about your, your career as a as a collegiate and also as a high school player? Um, as The older I've gotten, the more I've thought about it. I mean, I, I, I think it's very special. Um, I mean, other than saying I'm proud of what I did and that it's, it's you know, special, I would like to think I had some impact on some young girls playing. But at that point in time when I was playing, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Well, I think you're dead on. I think you have made a lot of influence on the young girls playing today, and they should be thanking you for the the role the role that you hold for them to to follow along in your footsteps. Thank you. Absolutely. Do you ever have the opportunity to talk to younger generations of female players uh, that aspire to do better? Um, you know, whether it's at the hockey rink or high schools or anything of that nature. I have not. Um, I mean, it's it's not something I've sought out or it's not something that other people have asked me to do. Because um, at, at the time, I really didn't think it was that big of a deal, to be honest with you. Because like I said before, I was just doing what I had to do in order to play. Just Sue being Sue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Right. Well, looking back, you know, you have been – extraordinary in the sport that you chose. You went on to play collegiate hockey, Division I school. I have to imagine that you were the better of the hockey players because you went further than any of your brothers. (laughs) Now, for the folks that are listening, she's got a huge smile on her face right now. Well, put it it this way. I I was probably the lucky one of them. Um, I can't say I was the most talented of them 
in, in comparison to my athletic ability, in comparison to other girls, yeah, I was probably the, the most talented in, in the family, but in comparison to both sexes, no, I wasn't the most talented. I would have to defer to probably my number two brother, Rick, as the most talented athlete. Even though Steve, Steve might probably... <laughs> Yeah, they're they're going out in the hallway right now to to settle it for once and for all. So if you hear any noises out there, uh, it's probably those two guys. I'm sure, I'm sure that's never happened before, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, Mog. <laughs> oh, Susie. So once you finished your your playing career, you spent a lot of time coaching. You you coached at Providence, and you were with the first ever Ohio State women's coaching program or uh, division one hockey program. Um, were there any other women coaching in those ranks when you got your started coaching or was um, it mainly men at that point? Well, when I was playing, it was primarily men. Um, I mean, I kind of got a taste of coaching back when I was in high school and um, our dad, Jack was the, youth coach of the Madison Capitals at that time with a younger brother, Joe on the team um, that I would go out during their practices and shoot on the goalies. Well, you know, as we all know, the practices goalies were the forgotten ones unless you had somebody that could specifically do things with them. So while they were doing the normal drills, I would go out and shoot on the goalies when I was in high school and going to the Capitals practices. And also at that time, the two older brothers were assistant coaches at La Follette while I was a freshman and sophomore. So I kind of got the bug then um, that when I got done playing, the way for me to stay involved in hockey, even though I really didn't have the desire to play anymore, but I wanted to stay involved in it was to get into coaching. Um, I wasn't planning on doing it as a career. It just kind of fell in my lap as a career because after I graduated, I was helping out with the, um, one of the Madison Patriots teams back then at that time. Um, and then, uh, the Providence college coach said, I need some help. A couple of years after I graduated, I need some help, and he convinced me into going back out to Providence and coaching and helping him there. So it's not something I really pursued as a career. It just kind of fell in my lap um, that way. Okay. You know, one of the guests, uh, previous guests that we had on was uh, an Olympian by the name of Karen Bai. Mm -hmm. She ended up being the captain of her boys' high school hockey team and obviously is a pioneer in her own right as well. Um, were there any other opportunities for you beyond college, such as the Olympics or any other type of, uh, maybe over in Europe, anything like that? Not at that time. Um, like I said, I, I graduated college in 87. Um, the first women's national team may have come three, two, three years later, um, it would have been difficult me difficult for me to continue to skate somewhere to be competitive um, at that to to try and pursue something at the national level once 
the team formed. Um, the Olympics in 98, that was 11 years after I graduated college. So you're, you were very limited very. and for, for your, you know, gender of the time, you went beyond what normal people do at that time because there was no real established women's programs at all at that time. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, out in the Northeast, they did have girls youth programs. So most of the, most of my college teammates grew up playing girls hockey. Um, but after that, those, there really wasn't much, many places for you to play after that. They did have, uh, women's adult rec leagues that you could play in. Um, like some of the youth programs, uh, the well-known one out in Massachusetts is called ACIBET Youth Program. They have the, that youth program also has adult rec for women. So in order for me to continue to play, I would have had to stay on the East Coast okay. or try and find some place back here. But I'm a, I'm a Midwesterner. After I graduated, I came back to the Midwest. So, Susie, girls and women have way more opportunity to play, especially with other girls and women than you did when you were young. If you could, would you change anything about when you played? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, um, I think playing playing with the boys and being forced to play with the boys, it elevated my game. Um, because when I went to college um, at Providence, the skill level at that level isn't anywhere near what it is today. Um, we would have two lines of highly skilled women players on each one of the teams. And then the skill would drop off pretty substantially once you got down to your third and fourth lines. When I went out there after high school, um, I was probably a step above where the women's college level player was at that time. You would have one or two people that were at that level. Um, so over the course of my four years of playing on the women's team, my skill level actually regressed because you weren't playing against because I caliber. wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't playing against uh, the 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 faster pace, the stronger, the speed that I was playing in high school. Wow! Did that affect your reaction time when you were in net? Without a doubt, I would. I would um, not playing against the women. My reaction time playing against the women stayed the same, but in the summers I would come back here for the summer and one of the years I tried to play in one of the summer leagues and the game had already passed me. The boy, the boys game had already passed me after just a couple of years. Wow. Have there been any other uh, females that followed in your footsteps at Madison La Follette that you're aware of? I know of at least one other girl. Um, her name was Jamie Ford. She was probably six years behind me. She was a defenseman for La Follette. Um, and she grew up, again, playing with the boys. Uh, she was also a very good softball player. Um, after high school, she pursued the softball route instead of the hockey route. 
but she was a very good hockey player. You know, this last year, you were the recipient of a special award. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Madison Sports Hall of Fame. How were you uh, nominated for that, and how did that feel? I was nominated from my high school softball coach. Um, I called me up one day and said, hey, I want to nominate you. Is that okay? I went, sure. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so that I, I was nominated for my high school softball coach. Um, and then after doing a little research as to, you know, who's all been inducted into it, and um, it, it's, I, I take it as a great honor. To be inducted and, into that, and you should. And I saw a picture of your of your family on the presentation. Everybody was dressed in blue. Is there significance with that color with your family, or just... no? I think it was just by luck and chance. Wow, I'm surprised Rick had a button up shirt like that. I know that you believe that. Pretty amazing, actually. When I saw it, I couldn't really believe it. You know, Susie. One last question from me. You are this dominating force, in my opinion of plowing the way for women in a sport that was primarily dominated by men in your time. You've got a young girl that wants to be competitive and she comes up to you and says, what was your drive? What made you do it? What would you answer? It's the love of the game, the love of the game and the want to do it. Um, it wasn't because I Wanted to say I was better than a boy. It wasn't because of any of that. I just wanted to play hockey and I wanted to play baseball. I just wanted to play some of those sports and I would do anything that I had to do in order to play it. Um, if it was, you know, carrying somebody's bags because they would let me on the ice, then I would do it. You know, it was just, I would do anything I had to do just just to be allowed to play. Wow. Amazing story. This has been a great story. Susie, thank you very much for being our guest and sharing your phenomenal story. Moog? I just want to thank you, and I and I hope I speak for all the, the young ladies who came after you uh, for paving the way to providing all those opportunities for them to get involved in the things that they love and, and they can be good at. Uh, JC and I are going to spend some time tonight at the blue gold uh, badger women's hockey game tonight and as far as i'm concerned every one of those young ladies out there on that rink is going to owe you a debt of gratitude so um, when you do see those little girls i want you to get a good warm feeling in your heart and know that you had a big part in them getting to where they are today so well thank you it's the one thing that i would hope that any parent that has a daughter um never to let your daughter think that they can't do something because that's one thing that my dad kind of instilled in me by letting me play these sports, you know, never let them tell you, you can't do something. That is a great parting words of wisdom. And thank you for that. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't go away. We still have our medical minute and our special guest, our medical minute sponsored by Chippewa Valley orthopedics Today, we have a special uh, feature with a physical therapist from Northwoods Physical Therapy in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Mike, welcome to the show. 
Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Today, I'd like to talk about the uh, most common youth sports injury. It's definitely overuse. Overuse syndrome is considered a repetitive strain injury. How common is it, you ask? Well, nearly 50% of all injuries sustained by middle school and high school students during sports are overuse injuries. There are more than 3.5 million children under the age of 14 that will require medical treatment for sports-related injuries, with the majority being overuse. The symptoms of these type of injuries can include pain, inflammation, stiffness, tenderness to touch, muscle weakness, tingling or numbness. The most common causes are playing one sport all year long, improper training, improper mechanics or technique, poor posture, muscle weakness or stiffness, and joint instability, all being present particularly during adolescence. Treatment and or prevention includes proper rest, playing multiple sports throughout the year, seeking those sports physicals to screen for any issues uh, prior to participation, seeking professionals like physical therapists for tips on training, mechanics, and or safe muscular strengthening. Wow, great information, Mike, and something that parents should pay attention to. Appreciate that information. And now for our special guest. We're back with our special guest, a young man from Marshfield, Wisconsin, by the name of Levi. Mogi? Hey, Levi, I hope you had a good day in school today, and we're looking forward to hearing your hockey story at th- at this point in your life. Okay. <laughs> well, he's full of a lot of words, Mog. <laughs> Maybe he was talking all day in school today. Maybe giving answers because he was doing some good good job giving us answers this afternoon already. Yeah. So, Levi, tell our listeners who do you play hockey for? I play hockey for Marshfield Blades. You do, and what position do you play? I play goalie. <laughs> I like it. And how long have you been playing goalie? Uh. About three years. And how did you start ending up being goaltender? Uh, it all started in 8U. I just wanted to play goalie because I saw some other kids do it, so I just wanted to play goalie. And then um, the coach said, you can play goalie for us. Very good. And what level are you? Um, Level squirt A. Squirt A. So nice. obviously that's good, Mog. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, you must you must be a pretty decent goalie then if you're on the A team, huh? Uh-huh. Good. Went through evaluations and they just said you can go to Squirt A. Nice. You're the man. Good job. So something kind of cool happened just recently in your uh your hockey year. What happened just recently? I just got my second shutout. Oh, and if the listeners could see the big smile oh, on his face very, right now. Very, very big smile. So, Levi, for for our folks that listen who might not know what that is, what does it mean to get a shutout? It means, like, say at the end of the game, it's 14 to nothing. And, like, if you have, if you let no goals in, then you get, it's called a shutout, then you get a shutout. Nice. Wow, that's awesome. So this was your second one? Yep. Wow, congratulations. So do you have any goalies that you like to watch play? Um, probably Casey D. Smith. And who does Casey play for? 
Um, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, pretty good goaltender, isn't he? Uh-huh. My favorite team, too. Oh, nice, the Penguins. <laughs> good. So can you tell our listeners who your coaches are? Um, my coaches are Travis, Dane, and Matt. All right, some great coaches. <laughs> and who are some of the guys that you like to play hockey with? Um, probably Carson Asser, Hutch Anderson, and Brecken Anderson. That is cool. Nice, nice. So what do you like about playing goalie? What's your favorite part of being a goalie? Um, it's just that I like when, like, this weekend we have a tournament, and I like how they just, in the beginning, last year and this year, they're going to do a shut, um, a shootout. Oh, really? During the tournament, huh? Kind of like uh -huh. a skills type of thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's exciting. How do you think you'll do in a shootout? Probably good. <laughs> I, I like the confidence in this kid, Mo. That is, yeah. That well, you have to have that as a goalie, right? So, how's your team doing so far this year? Good. Got seven wins and like six losses. Okay, that's not too bad, huh? Three ties. Well, good. Good for you. Well, I got to tell you, Levi, this has been absolutely a great time talking to you, and we appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Levi. Yep. Would you like to have any closing uh, um, shout-outs to any of the guys you play hockey with? Go ahead. They're a great group of team to play with. All right. Excellent. All right, Levi, thank you very much for your time, and we uh, wish you the best on the rest of your season. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, we'd like to say a huge thank you to our audience, and we'd also like to thank our featured guest, Sue Mussy Kempf, and our special guest, Levi Pankratz, and a special thank you to our sponsors, LSM Chiropractic and Robecki's Rinkside Bar and Grill. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and visit us on our website at thebreakoutsessions.com. And remember, folks, until our next episode, stay on your inside edges. <laughs>